I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBot does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBot actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBot costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBot today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. That's fitbod.me slash getfit. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to meachoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and Prospect Fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 25 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered, of course, by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you today, and with me, as always, from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, bud? Hey, not too much. Just happy to be back. It's another week, and we had a full week of baseball. It's exciting. And now we get to talk about some dynasty players, man. I'm excited. It's going to be a great episode. Yeah, we're fully in the heart of overreaction season. People asking us if they should drop Raphael Devers or, you know, all that type of stuff. And no, no, it's it's, it's a weekend. Everybody calm down. Don't need to overreact yet. But we are going to look be looking at some early season performances for some pitchers that are trending up or down our dynasty rankings, how they look this year. Before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping here, you can find us on Twitter. I am at EricCross04, Chris is at RotoClegg, and our show at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews do mean a lot, and we appreciate them. And please check out our new Patreon. We offer a ton of good stuff in there, including extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, custom rankings, and much more. Or if you just want to support Chris and I, you can do so for $1 a month or the lowest content tier is $5. And you can sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed. And make sure to check out all the other great podcasts on the network, including my other show, 5Tool, SP Streamer, On Campus, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. 
All right, Chris, let's get into this week's episode. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking some pitchers that are trending up or down our dynasty rankings and how they're looking so far this season. We'll go over some guys in the AL first, take a break, and then go through the NL to end the show. And let's start the AL with arguably one of the best pitchers in the AL, not named, or the AL East, I should say, not named Garrett Cole. Actually, he might be one of the best pitchers in the AL in general because I was looking at my dynasty rankings and a lot of my top guys are in the NL. And so he might be the third best pitcher in the AL right now behind Giolito and Garrett Cole. And that's Tyler Glasnow. And he's a guy that has moved down my rankings, now moves back up because of his third pitch. He's added with the slider. I've been very impressed by the slider so far. And one of those starts was against my Red Sox. What have you thought so far about him adding the slider? Are you encouraged by it? Yeah. And uh, if you listen a couple weeks ago, we had the divisive pick that he would be, what, a top 10 or top five dynasty arm. I can't remember which one I said. I'm still not ready to go there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Eric went on the flip side of that one. But like we said, he needed a third pitch. We knew he needed that. And it's been working, man. That's been a fantastic pitch. The the whiff rate's solid up over it's 33.3% so far. And the the best thing is he's using it a lot, right? He's using it 35% of the time. And like I think Eric said a lot, normally he adds a pitch and he throws it 4% of the time. So it's nice to see the usefulness here. I really wish he would just develop the change up more at this point. Don't see it happening, but man, the slider is a good, good asset with his curveball. He throws both really well. In addition, I mean, we know the fastball is really good. He pumps that thing, averaging up near 98 miles an hour this year. You know, he doesn't, doesn't get hit that often. Doesn't get hit hard either. He makes in that slider. It's got some cutter action with it too. It's like a, they call it a slutter, which is interesting, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a good pitch. And I think that's exactly what he needed to take this step. We'll see how long it, it sticks. I'm hoping it sticks the full season because I do have a lot of shares of glass now and I put my money where my mouth was. I own them in a lot of, a lot of leagues. And so I need him to perform well. And so we'll see if this keeps up, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this new pitch and the arsenal as a whole, the spin rates are just downright nasty on his breaking stuff. So hopefully the, hopefully MLB doesn't try to investigate him. You can see that happening. <laughs> like they're targeting Trevor Bauer. With this yeah. Stuff. His name's not Trevor Bauer. So he, I think he's safe for now. Probably. But, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm very encouraged and it's funny that they called it the slutter because uh, back when I was kind of sort of pitching in high school, I had a pitch that because I, I obviously was not a good pitcher, uh, I had what I called a slider, but sometimes it didn't break as much. So I called it that, you know, it was a cutter. So I called it a slider um, back then. So it's kind of funny they use that now for his breaking pitch. But yeah, it's it's been very encouraging to see him add that. But it's kind of intriguing that he's used it at the expense of his curveball in, in a big way too. Like right now it's just two starts, but 35.1% usage rate on the slider and the curveball dropped from 34.8 and to 10.3. I think that might just be him trying to get a feel for it. So he's throwing it a little more. I expect those to kind of stabilize, maybe be around equal, you know, tw- you know, 20 or 22% each there. But if he keeps this up and, it, you know, the slider looked better in his first start than did it against the Red Sox. It still looked good against the Red Sox. But the first start, he had like a 39% CSW on or something like that. Second start against the Red Sox, it was like 21, 22, but Still looks pretty good. Got some good movement on it, both horizontally and vertically. Um, yeah, spin rate on it is 28.18 average right now. Curveball was 30.57, which is up from 29.39 last year on the curveball. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned the fastball velocity is at 97.6, which is up 0.7 from last year, but that might just be early season kind of excitement and, and stuff going through his veins. So I don't know, I'm not sure if that's something to really buy into, but. 
All three pitches are working very well right now. All three have an XO but under 200. You know, all three have good whiff rates right now. So I'm very much intrigued. I still want him to stay healthy. That's definitely a big thing. And this is kind of one of the three things I mentioned when I would bump him down my rankings was his injury history, his lack of command and control, or his inconsistent command and control, I should say, and then the lack of a third pitch. So he looks like he might have one of those things figured out. Now we got to figure out the other two things. He still has to, I think his career high is like 112. It's, it's like 110 or 120 innings pitches is career high. So he's got to show that he can stay on the field for around 30 starts and get up 150 to 160 innings pitched, which he's, and he's off to a good start. So let's see if he can keep it up. And then he's only had the one season with the ERA under four because that command and control does make him inconsistent, which has looked, again, a lot better in his first two starts. So that's it's all very encouraging. This is a very encouraging start. I've, I've never said I didn't like the last no in general. I just, voice my concerns and i think those are all valid i still stand behind those at the time and he's showing me that you know if he can get those back on track i think he can be someone who moves way back up my rankings and he, right now he is for starting pitchers uh he's outside my top 10 for pitchers but i think he's actually right around 15th overall but i think he could he could inch back up there I'm trying to find him yeah he's 15th right now in my dynasty pitcher rankings uh, right behind Jack Flaherty and you Darvish. But I think he could get up there. Is 11 through 15 right now, or 11 through 14 right in front of him, is Trevor Bauer, Blake Snell, and you uh, Darvish and Jack Flaherty, which I think he can get up there. But then like 10, 9, 8 is Gowan, Woodruff, Castillo. I'm, I'm not ready to put him with them yet, but definitely one that I think can definitely keep rising up here. But we'll see how he looks and how that slider continues to look. Third, fourth, fifth start. But definitely encouraged. And another encouraging thing coming out of Tampa Bay, Brent Honeywell Jr. made his major league debut uh, today when we're recording this, yesterday when you're listening to it. Went two innings, didn't give up a hit or a walk, struck out two when he went 21 pitches to open up the game. But, Chris, that's definitely encouraging. Now, this was a guy that was a top five pitching prospect in baseball you know, a handful of years ago, hasn't pitched since you know 2017 i believe it was so yeah, I think that's very right. encouraging what do you, what are your thoughts on brett honeywell right now for dynasty for me i'm looking at you know if i can get a buy low on him right now with how low his price is i probably will he's still high risk obviously but that talent is still there oh 100 yeah hadn't pitched since 2017 first professional game since other than spring training this year but man it was fun to watch hey the screwball yeah i was wondering if he'd throw it like that was a question like would he still have that in his arsenal and he did, and his first major league strikeout was with it. The grip, the way he grips, I was looking, Pitching Ninja had a nice slow-mo of how he grips, and it's funky, and it's fantastic. The pitch is great. He looked good, and I think he's a great buy. I mean, what would he cost you right now? Maybe there's a little hype, but, man, I can't imagine he'd cost that much at all in a dynasty league. I'd go out and get him. It's worth a shot. I mean, I know they, they sent him back down to the alt site, but – there's no reason if the, he gets stretched out that he couldn't be a, a solid starter for them this year. I mean, they don't have that much. You know, we know Archer went down. They just don't have that much behind Glass now, and, and Yarbrough's kind of struggled a little bit. So, you know, they could use the arms there. And so uh, if Glass, I mean, if Honeywell, excuse me, gets, gets uh, stretched back out, let him go, man. We'll see what he can do. So, yeah, go out and see. Check with the owner in your league and see what you can get him for because I think he was he's pretty affordable, honestly, and it's a good time to buy because he's got all the talent in the world, and some guys are just late bloomers, man. I mean, I know injuries have, have kind of hurt him, but a lot of pitching prospects take a while to develop, 
And so I miss, this may be the year, and it may it may even be a rough year. We he hasn't pitched professionally in four years, but the growing pains will be there. But dude, he, he's got all the talent in the world. Let's let him run with it and see what he can do. Absolutely, yeah. I pulled up his uh, the box score in Baseball Savant. He threw out of his twenty one pitches, ten four seamers, averaging ninety four point one, maxed out at ninety five four, seven changeups, three cutters, and a screwball. So. Did condense the arsenal down for at least for this. And he's only 21 pitches, so he didn't really get to throw the. So at one point, he was throwing five or six different pitches. And he used to have a, a curveball and a slider as well, if, if I recall. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how his arsenal looks. Like, will he condense it down? Is that one thing they worked with him on in all the time off? Is like, all right, let's let's simplify the simplify simplify the um, arsenal a little bit here, and you know, cut down the pitches, and that might be it, but. Even if it's just this four-pitch arsenal, that screwball is still looking pretty good. You only threw it the once today, but uh, it was a good one. And the cutter and change-up fastball, they're all good pitches for him. That's the thing. Like, he was—he didn't just throw pitches to throw pitches. Like He threw them because they were good pitches. Like They were all average-to-plus offerings back in the day, uh, which is appropriate to use for him because it was so long ago back in the day with uh, Brent Honeywell. But, yeah, definitely a good buy-low opportunity right now because, you know what? It, it won't hurt anything like what you have to give up probably won't be much that you're going to lose out on or miss down the road. And if he does work out and he turns into you know, maybe not what we thought he was back, you know, 2017 before he had all these injuries, but if he just turns into a viable major league rotation arm, then you got yourself a pretty good discount there and a pretty good value. So definitely worth at least talking with the, the person that does have him in, in your leagues to see what the, what the price is, because like we both mentioned, it's probably not that high. Uh, moving up the ALEs up to the Bronx, a couple of arms here trending in my rankings at least. Corey Kluber and Domingo Herman. You know, Kluber, let's start with Kluber. You know, he was the one that his ADP was kind of ticking up throughout draft season. Look, you know, he's looking pretty good in the spring training. All right, people like, all right, he's probably got a couple more good years left in him. We don't think Corey Kluber's done, but I don't know it's only two starts, but he does not look good so far. 568 ERA, 237 whip. You know, the velocity is down again. It's been consistently trending down this year. Four-seamers down to 89.6. Sinker down to 90. That's They're both around a mile and a half, two miles an hour drop. So that's concerning. So I don't know. Chris, are, are you still valuing Kluber at all in Dynasty Leagues? Where do, where do you think his value is right now? Not very high. I think that <laughs> if you were going to sell, you missed the window in spring training when there's a little hype because – Right now, yep. you just have to. If you own him, you just have to sit on him, man, because there's no way you're going to trade him and get much right now. I traded for him in the offseason in my home dynasty league. Actually, it was in a deal. I got uh, Degrom as well, so you know it's it's all good. But I don't know. It's just it's rough to watch right now, and the velo is is way down. Is he's changed up his pitch mix a little bit, which is interesting. Still in the curveball the most of of any pitch, which is you know, interesting to see. But you know, sinkers. Averaging right at 90 miles an hour. His four seems below 90 miles an hour. And we have to remember, like he's 35. He's not young. They seem he was kind of a late career, like a late bloomer. And so we sometimes he we think he's a little younger than he is, but dude's already 35. It it might just be it for him. And you hate that, but with with how it's looking, it's not looking great, man. He's been getting hit extremely hard, giving up a lot of hard contact, uh, just not striking guys out, walking guys at a high rate. Just not looking good. Uh, you can't really start him right now and expect much. 
But if you own him, like I said, you're going to have to sit on it and hope he has a good start or two and try to sell him. I just, I don't, I don't think the bounce back's there. I don't, I'm not sure if he's durable enough to last the whole season at that. So yeah, there's, there's definitely some concerns and reason to at least try to find the right time to sell on him. Now, are you more concerned about him or Domingo Herman? Because obviously Dem- Herman's a lot younger, so he's got that going for him, but yeah. He hasn't looked good. There's, you know, all the off the field issues, and you hear that his teammates don't like him at all. So he, right. he just got option the other day. So where are you at on Herman? I I've never been high in, on Herman in general. You know, I was like, all right, maybe he can be, you know, at best a top sixty ish pitcher, but I think that's best case scenario for him. I think he has too much working against him, or maybe he's just one of those guys that falls out of favor and never really pans out. Are you kind of feeling the same way? Yeah, in 2019 though he was like decent, you know, he was yeah. like a solid he should, like Yeah, he showed a little bit, yeah. Right, where you draft him. I mean, obviously he won 18 games. That was great, but he had a 403 ERA. Uh I mean, solid strikeout numbers, you know, more than uh K per 9, which was nice, but it's just like the talent's there, but I think the off the field stuff kills him. His teammates clearly don't care for him all cuz they like took it publicly. Like they were tweeting about how they didn't want him there and it's kind of rough, man. A lot of people told reporters that they just didn't care for him. And then he comes out, he's roughed up. So wasn't a good start. They sent him down. Maybe he gets traded. You know, maybe, maybe they move him to another organization. He gets a fresh start. Maybe that's what he needs maybe. because yeah. you mentioned he's still only 28. He's not like old by any means. If you're, if you think 28's old, then, then I'm old, but you know, it's that I'm really old. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like he's he's only really rosterable in like a deeper league. No, I really thought this year could be decent for him, but yeah, I, it's interesting. I'm, I think best case scenario, the Yankees trade him for something, and maybe he gets a fresh start with some new teammates, and maybe a fresh start for him as well. But yeah, the off the field stuff is just as concerning as the performance was this year, and I think for that reason, you know, we saw him sent down. So tough to say. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they do package him with some prospects to get a more stable rotation arm or to fill in, you know, once, you know, Judge and Stanton inevitably go on the IL, maybe get to get a bat if they need so at the break. Plus, you know, they already have Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt kind of waiting in the wings. You know, Schmidt's injured right now, but two, you know, promising young arms they could probably stick in there if need be or like some trade for a veteran arm, trade them to like, you know, Pittsburgh or Kansas City or someone like that where all these guys seem to go but yeah I think he needs a change of scenery but for dynasty rankings I have him uh, 99th overall in my pitching ranks right now and then Kluber 94 so they've both you know kind of trending down like I'm not very I'm not I don't think I have either in any league maybe I have Kluber in, in one or two but I know I don't have Herman and they've been a Herman guy um, but yeah definitely not two guys I'm looking to target right now and I'd be looking to try to get rid of them at all costs. Um, but let's go to back to some positive here. Jose Barrios has been looking really good to start the season. You know, he's always been like t- – he's always been that tease, right? It's like he always shows these glimpses where he's like maybe could be a top 15 pitcher in baseball. Then he's like kind of inconsistent in his ERA. will be always be like high threes end of the season. Always ends like a top 25 guy or so. Do you think with what you've seen from Barrio so far this year, do you think he can make that leap into the top 15 where he's in that range where you know, guys I just mentioned like Glasnow and all of them are? Yeah, and he's one that I've always been a big fan of. And the thing with him is 
the the velo. I always thought the fastball velo needed to tick up, and it did last year. Like last year was the year where from 2019, his fastball averaged 93.1 miles an hour. And last year it jumped to 94.5. And I was still confused as, you know, that is exactly what I wanted to see from him. And I didn't understand why is he not getting the performance? You know, it didn't make sense that it wasn't working. But this year, again, he's sitting right there, 94.5. He's looking really good. He's actually using the fastball more. The four seam, he's, he's lowered his sinker usage a little bit and relying on the, uh, the four seam more. He relied on the curveball the most. Um, last year in 2020, but this year he's using the changeup actually less and he's up the forcing usage. The curve's actually about the same as it was last year, but yeah, he's, he's got the stuff, man. I'm telling you, he's, he's got everything you want. He just hasn't performed. And I don't know. It's just these flashes where he'll have like the amazing first half, like you mentioned, and then he just falls off. And last year, his struggle was he got hit hard, like, there was some, I mean, like he had one of the worst max exit velos in the league. His average exit velo was rough. He struggled with walks a little bit last year. His spin rates weren't great at all. And some of that, a lot of that's changed this year. And it's exactly what I'd like to see out of him. And so I'm definitely encouraged the strikeouts are up because he's always been like a strikeout, like per inning type guy, but the strikeout rates up. Over, I know it's just nearly 12 innings, but it's encouraging. I'm very excited. I think he can take a jump because he's still only 26 years old. Like I didn't realize yeah. he entered the league very young. And so he's had some growing pains along the way, but he's been good. Like let's think, you know, he hasn't been bad by any means. He had, I mean, his debut in 2016 was, was pretty rough, but after that, you know, 2017, he's a three, eight, nine, three, eight, 40, RA three, six, eight. He was a four Oh last year. It's just, good but not great but i think he's capable of being great so we'll see if this is the year he puts it all together i hope so i like the guy i like watching him pitch so i hope he takes off yeah i do too he's always been a guy that i've really been intrigued by and he's the type of guy you know i, I mentioned this a lot and people are probably getting tired of hearing me say it but the guys that will attack each handedness with more than two offerings right like you look at against lefties uh, he's thrown his four seamer 32 times curveball 32 times Sinker and change up both 20 against righties, the four seamer 29, curve 21, sinker 24, change up only five, but still he can throw all four of his pitches to both handedness. And I love that. And you mentioned that the pitch mix hasn't really changed too much. You said there's a little more four seamers, kind of dropped the change up usage a little bit, even though that was a solid pitch for him last year. Not great, but he, he can miss batch with all four of those pitches. And one thing that, you know, Alex Fast put out a tweet on, so he's constantly kind of evolving where he starts on the rubber. Like he used to start over near, near the first base out of the rubber. And he's like every year he's been inching closer and closer to that right side where he's almost fully on the, the right side of the rubber. If, if looking from his backside um, this year, I made a joke with, with Alex in one of his posts. I'm like, Alex, how long until he's pitching from the third base dugout? You know, it's like he's moving over and over every year. So I think he's, he's sort of aware of this and kind of, tinkering with stuff to kind of get you know better break and you know better arm slot and see if that helps his pitches so i like that he's been tinkering with that without making these massive adjustments and this year it's looking great like you mentioned he's striking out everybody this year you know 47.6 key percentage right now top four percent of the league walk rate has always been pretty solid and it's kind of in line this year 7.1 percent 7.9 for his career so yeah i am intrigued i think he can get next step to get into what well into my top 20 like right now I'm waiting to see if this sticks. So like right now I have him 20, 
uh, 23rd. But I think he can make that next step and get up there with Snell and Bauer and Darvish and all of them outside my top 10 because he's got that stuff. And if that K rate, and obviously he's not going to stick at 47.6%, but he has the stuff to be better than what he's been. He's For what he has for stuff and his ability to miss bats, he was at a 23.6% career strikeout rate, and his career high was 25.3 back in 2018. So I think he can be closer to 30%. And if he gets up to that, that rate, which would put him near the you know the elite of the league, I think that would definitely be a big boon for his value. So I'm definitely moving him up my rankings right now for sure. Um, really like Jose Barrios moving forward here. Hopefully this is the year. Like he's kind of, like I said, he's been teasing every year, so – Hopefully, this is the year for Jose Barrios. Moving back to the AL East here. Probably should have talked about him before Barrios to keep all the AL East guys together. But John Means, you know, is he's not quite as flashy as these guys we've talked about so far. He's not Glasnow. He's not Barrios. But the breakup kind of started last season. Looked really good against my Red Sox in his first start. He absolutely shut us down. Where do you have him in your dynasty rankings, Chris, right now? He's approaching like right at the 200 overall mark. Yeah. I don't know. He can really make a jump. And this is a guy I was really in on this year. And you love to see it so far. I have him probably on like 75% of my teams just because where he was going. Like a lot of times he was going really late in drafts. I'm like, I got him at like past pick 300 in one draft. I'm like, this is wow. too good a value to pass up. And he's done it, man. He's performed well. I, I am slightly concerned about the strikeouts. Like I expected a little more because at the end last season, you know, he was really dominant and I thought that he may take that next step. His velo is actually down like two miles an hour, which is concerning, but yeah. I, I don't know. Last year was a big jump for him. And so, you know, he went in 2019, he was at 91, seven, he jumped to 93, eight last year. Now he's at 92, one for his fastball. So it is slightly concerning, but I don't know. I think he's fine. Like he's still getting the job done. He's not flashy and he's not going to be flashy. I'm not really worried about that. Honestly. I mean, I just think he's going to be a, a guy that is even at like a SP four, he's going to be really, really good for you, man. And he's somebody like you want on all your teams. Cause I'm looking back to last year. So over his last four starts last year to end the season, uh, he pitched 23 innings. He had a one five, two ERA. He struck out 30 guys. And so I thought he could really build on that. He also, the walks were down. Very, very good to see. He did allow four home runs over those four starts, which, you know, has kind of been his struggle, allowing some hard contact. But, man, I'm a big fan of means. I really like what I've seen so far, and I hope this will continue. I'm not expecting, like, this level of performance, but if he can give you, like, a like a high three ZRA, like a 375, 380 RA for the season and be like a strikeout inning. I'll be thrilled with where, where I have him. You know I mean? That's, that's solid numbers. And you just talked about Jose Brios, who that's exactly who he's been in the past, right? And he's always been a top 100 dynasty guy. He's been like a high three ZRA and a strikeout and inning. Like we'll see a reason means can't be that good. And so we'll see if it continues, but I'm happy with what I've seen so far. Yeah. Maybe best case scenario. He's close to what Kyle Hendricks has been. Good yeah. ratios, kind of middle of the road K rate. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think Means is ever going to be a guy that's pushing 25, 30% strikeout rate. And like last year, he was at, I just lost it. Yeah, 23.9% last year. This year's 20.5 through his first two starts. But good command, good control guy. He's, he's never walked a lot of guys, 5.4% career walk rate, which is very good. I think 
MLB average is around 8%, I want to say. So he's well below average there, which is kind of his thing, right? He doesn't give up many free passes. He pitches a contact, but doesn't give up a lot of hard contact, which is good. But yeah, the one thing that is concerning right now, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm really concerned by it because it's still early season coming off you know, the shortened season, maybe he's just getting more ramped up again, but it's not just the fastball that's down in velocity. It's all four pitches. Fastball is down 1.7 miles an hour, change up 2.6, curveball two and a half, and slider 2.3. So they're all like one and a half to two and a half miles an hour down. Small sample size again, but I'm I'm, in, I'm interested to see how, you know, if, if that those velocities tick back up here. Do you think it's just a it's time to build up? I mean, it, I know it's it impossible. Hey, yeah, last year he was up from the start though. So I was looking back. I mean, you know, first first game of the year he was pumping between ninety four and ninety six. So I don't know. Maybe it takes some time to ramp up for him, but it's it's definitely something that'll be worth monitoring. Yeah, for sure. But very intrigued by his first couple of starts. He's been limiting hard contact. You know, only giving up one run uh, through his first. 11 and two-thirds innings, only 9Ks, but 0.77 ERA, 0.86 whip. But I would like Means even more if he was not in the AL East because he, you know, look at his pitches. A lot of his pitches give up a higher launch angle. Like this year, the four teams give up a 21-degree launch angle, change up 15 degrees. Curveball is 49, but that's, 20, that's that's an anomaly right there. Um, but last year, the four teams gave up a 29-degree launch angle. And when you're pitching, allowing that type of launch angle, Overall, in the AL East, where you know, the Red Sox uh, are a top five offense in, in the AL, the Yankees are top. I think there's actually three top five offenses in the AL in Toronto, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. And Red Sox are on fire right now offensively. Devers is picking it up. JD's picking it up. But have those types of offenses that you're going to face a lot and all the hitter-friendly parks in the AL East where – to at least two thirds of his games are going to be against good hitting teams in good hitting parks. So that I would love him a lot more if he was in like the AL central AL West NL central, whatever, but I don't, I don't love this division, but for means the pitcher, I do like him a, a good amount. Let's go over to the West coast here though. And it's only been one start, but Shohei Otani. I don't know. I didn't know if we want to talk about him today or talk about him next week when we go over hitters. Cause obviously he's both. But let's just kind of focus on the pitching side of things for him this week. We can talk about him as a hitter next week. His first start of the year, four and two-thirds, allowed one run, seven strikeouts. Command and control was still, you know, not quite great. <laughs> so, but he was hitting over 100 miles an hour with a fastball. You know, he was only, what was it, 100-mile-an-hour 100 fastball and over 100-mile-an-hour exit velocity in the same game. You know, he's, he's that damn good. But what, what are your thoughts on him through his first start, how are you valuing him right now? Because I know some formats out there, you know, like Yahoo, for instance, have him separately hitter and pitcher. So just just value him as a pitcher right now. Where do you have Otani right now? He's so hard to value, man. Like he he's one of the hardest players to figure out and value. Like I don't know. Like can he even stay healthy? Like I love the stuff, dude. And he he pumps like you mentioned. Like the the fastball velo is legit. He average he's averaging ninety eight one so far. Yeah. With that velo, it's it's really good. He does use the fastball like he's up 50, 56% of the time, which is a good bit. But, you know, he's got a decent arsenal. I don't know. I struggle where to value him individually, you know. It's like it's 
when you combine them, it's like, oh man, he's a great player. Like I and I may even be low having him like like around 90 overall in my dynasty ranks. Just obviously there's the injury concerns. He stays banged up, which is concerning. But to be able to get both the hitting output and pitching output is legit. Like he's he's really, really good. Just as a pitcher, I don't know, man. Like maybe he's like a top 30 guy. And I may be low on him, but if he's only pitching one day a week, like how much value can he really provide? And I don't know. I just question like, what are they going to do with him long-term? Like to get the most out of him long-term, is he better to be split up and do, and do one or the other? That's the question I have. I don't really know. I don't have the answer to that. I know they, they say they want him to do both, but is he capable of doing both long-term? And I just don't know, man. And so we'll see as a pitcher. I like him. I like the stuff as a hitter. Like he's very talented. And when he's, when you get both for fantasy, he's a stud, but I don't know. It's just a pitcher that I struggle with to value just for all the factors, injuries, doing both things. Like each side values him differently. Like it's confusing. It's hard to, to really put a value on him, but yeah, I mean the talent level's there and if he can stay healthy and put it together, you know, he's really, really good. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess I love the stuff too. And I, I like that the fastball velocity is up, but I'm, I'm comparing his numbers from 2018 as a pitcher because obviously he didn't pitch at all in 2019 and 2020. He was mostly hurt. So I'm not really looking. So he was down to 90, 93, eight on his fastball velocity in 2020. So I'm going to throw that out the window in 2018. He was at 96, seven. He's up to 98, one. Now, even the splitter was at 87, three. Now it's the 90.3. Uh, sliders red run the same 81 and a half, but you know, mixing the occasional curveball, but usually you know, five percent or less. So, mostly the four seamer slider splitter usage without the splitter and the slider are great whiff offering. So, I think he's gonna get a ton of K's, but I was wonder how he's gonna be with that command and control profile. And obviously, the first start it hasn't been great, but then again, I think he's shaking off the rust a little bit right now. So, hopefully, it gets better, but even. Now, even prior to, you know, uh, 2019, it wasn't great. He's never going to be a pinpoint guy. He was 10.4% uh, walk rate in 2018, which isn't terrible. That's below average. That's, I think, average around 8% or so. That's below average. But I, I hope if he can just stay around 10%, which is where Corbin, Corbin Burns was last year. But I think that will be okay. But I, I agree with you in the, you know, in the aspect of how – Often is he going to pitch? You know, he's only going to pitch one day a week. So, what's that? What's the season? 25, 26 weeks. So, he's not going to get you 30 starts more than likely. And they're probably going to baby him just because the type of talent he is. So, for pitching side of things, I think he's kind of capped. Like, for uh, overall, like I have him, my rankings 20th, but that kind of factors in his hitting too. For pitcher only, I'd probably have him. Down in like probably 10 spots lower. Like at 30, I have Lance McCullers Jr., 31, I have Joe Musgrove, then Sonny Gray, Severino. I probably have him down there. I think that's pretty fair. Where McCullers, you know, has questions about, you know, what type of innings he can throw as well. But obviously, he's very talented as well. We just talked about him on five tool and how he added the slider this year. So uh, I think that's a good range for him. But yeah, very risky. But obviously, you know, love the strikeouts, love the ability to miss bats. So well, it'll be interesting to see how he looks this year and starts two, three, four. But start one was fairly promising. Uh, let's close out the AL here with a closer. That's kind of fitting, right? 
in the next maybe potential great closer in baseball, which I think there's like a new one every week. But <laughs> the hot name of the week right now is Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Indians. It's kind of funny, like coming into like draft season, like everybody was about James Krenczak. And then it was kind of like later on, it was like, all right, Whitgren's kind of the name now. And now, like today, it was uh, Karinczak came out in the seventh, Whitgren in the eighth, or maybe it was the other way around, but regardless, Classe in the ninth. So yeah, he's been looking filthy too, throwing those cutters and, sl- you know, 100 mile an hour cutters and low 90 sliders, both looking filthy. And he always had that type of upside when he's coming up through Texas. So, do you think he could be the next kind of like top 10 arm? Like we were talking about Alex Reyes last week and his ability to be an elite closer. Do you think he's kind of in that same kind of value spot right now? Yeah, I think he's more than capable. I think it's just whether the Indians or, or Cleveland, excuse me, is willing. You know, I mean, the reason, in my opinion, that Karen Chak is not the closer is because of the service time issues and they're wanting to keep his arbitration costs down. And yeah. do they do the same thing with Class A? I don't know. It seems like they're more willing to commit to him at least. Like, you know, he's been in the ninth inning a couple times. I mean, the the arm is incredible. You look at his fastballs consistently over a hundred every single pitch of the cutter that is as well. The slider's really good. He limits hard contact. Everything just is really good. And it's what you want out of a closer. The questions were always the strikeouts with him. He was never a huge strikeout guy, but this year, man, I know it's a small sample, but He's striking guys out, 56% rate right now, hasn't walked a hitter all year. This is what you want to see. Like He's more than capable of taking and running with it. He's more than capable of being a top 10 arm, in my opinion, a bullpen arm, that is. He's good. He's really, really good. It's just the Indians will be willing to commit to give him the role, let him run with it. I think he's more than capable. Because we got to remember – this when when Corey Kluber was still a thing, they gave him up for for Class A's. That's what they saw in him and believed in him. So yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. I hope that they let him keep the job. I think he'd go really well. Yeah, and you got to wonder too with how a lot of bullpens are going now. Is there's not really many bullpens left that are like, all right, this is the one guy. You know, like we got Kenley Jansen, you know, Craig Kimbrell, you know, some of the, the elite guys, Edwin Diaz, Liam Hendricks, but there's not really a lot of these bullpens anymore. So maybe in, that won't affect him as much, even if he's in kind of like a committee or a timeshare with either Wickren or Krenczak or both, even if he's still getting, you know, 10 to 15 saves a year with the strikeouts he can do and the elite ratios he's capable of, maybe that'll be enough. Like, I don't think you're going to see a lot of these 30 plus save guys anymore. So I think Mario Rivera's save record is very much, safe i don't think you get a lot of those long-term 30 save a year guys and you know moving forward so yeah i, I definitely love current uh excuse me i love current check too so if you, if you can buy a long current check i would i think he's still gonna be a very great talent very great fantasy reliever um but right now right now class a is the hot name and he's nobody is touching him right now everything everything is in red on his stat cast page it's all like 95th to 100th percentile he's not hasn't allowed any hard contact yet like Chris mentioned, he has not walked a guy yet, hasn't given him a run. Obviously, he's not going to do that the entire season, but that cutter-slider combination, he throws a cutter a hair under 70%, the slider a hair under 30% at 100.6 and 91.6 uh, miles per hour, respectively. Those are just filthy offerings, and that, that movement he gets on the cutter is absolutely filthy. To have that much movement at 100 miles an hour is just unfair. It just is, so... Um, definitely moving way at my rankings as high as one can as a reliever, 
But, you know, be careful. Maybe he's a sell high because, you know, relievers are they're so fecal and so fickle, I should say, in uh, the fecal, yeah, the fecal too, and, mm-hmm. and then dynasty leagues because, you know, the value always is so fluctuant. But maybe he's a sell high right now. Who knows? But see what you can get for him. But, um, yeah, definitely moving up my rankings as well. But let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk some National League pitchers, including one of my favorite guys in all of baseball. So stick with us. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Talking some pitchers trending one way or the other in our dynasty rankings right now, early in the season. We went over some guys in the AL before the break, and now let's hit up the NL. And let's start with a guy. I want I want to give the floor to you here because I've been talking a lot about this guy. I made the bold proclamation earlier in the week in a tweet that he was my number sixth ranked dynasty pitcher, um, Corbin Burns. Let's talk Corbin Burns here, Chris. I'm pretty sure you're not as high as them as I am. I don't think many are. I haven't, like I said, sixth overall. I don't think many have them that high yet. But I'm a believer. I am all in on Corbin Burns. I think what he showed last year is legit, and he's backing it up this year. He's been the most impressive arm this year. Where are you at on Corbin Burns? I know you're not quite number six overall high, <laughs> but are you kind of moving him up your rankings as well? You mean you have yeah, to, right? He, yeah, he's pushing top ten, man. And I wish I – had him back in the 30 rock league. Do you want us 30 rock, man? I'd moved him in a deal for Bueller and real Muto in the off season, which obviously is nice return. Like there's some other, other pieces in there, but still, man, Burns has been really good. I, I thought he was a sell high. I really thought he was a sell high in dynasty after the you're, last you're not season. alone there. either. a lot of people thought that, right? I mean, it was a small sample season and he was good. He was actually really, really good. But again, the small sample made me kind of think, well, I think he's good. Like I thought he was good. I didn't think he was this good, but I think he is this good. There's no question in my mind. He's up the cutter usage and it's fantastic pitch. His pitch mix, actually, he's using the sinker less, which is great. He's cut that in about half. The other pitches are about where they are. And he uses like six pitches, which is fantastic. So he's got a great arsenal. You talk about the walks, the walks rate, the walk rate was his concern last year at 10%. Hasn't walked a batter yet this year, which is fantastic. Again, we're talking about small samples here. We're talking about 12.1 innings with him, two starts. But to have not walked a batter is is great sign for Burns. And here he is. I mean, last year he struck out 36.7% of hitters, and now he's up to 48.8. He's getting it done. He's really, really good. And I think he's legit. I mean, so far, 0.73 ERA, 0.16 whip, been absolutely dominant. He's limited hard contact. He's striking guys out. He's not walking anybody. It's everything you want to see. And he just looks the part. He's got all the confidence in the world, too. Like when he's on the mound, he's very confident. He's got a good demeanor. You watch him pitch, and it's just it's just what you want to see. And I don't know, man. I do think he's the real deal. He's pushing my top 10 for Dynasty Arms, and I wish – I wish, I wish I had more shares of him because I traded him in 30 rock. And then last year in my, uh, 
my home dynasty keeper league is just 10 teams. I picked him up at the beginning of the year and I dropped him when he struggled. And I wish I had that one back too, but <laughs> here we are. I don't have much burns, but he's legit. I really do think he's, he's a top 10 dynasty arm. Yeah, man. I just love Corbin Burns's arsenal so much. Like I mentioned it on five tool today as well during that record that he has a top five arsenal in baseball right now. I am fully believing that his arsenal is just as good as Cole and Bieber. He's right up there. I firmly believe that. And yeah, it's very encouraging to see that he raised the cutter usage and dropped the sinker usage because last year the sinker was the one pitch that wasn't spectacular. Every other pitch had a batting average against under 200 slugging under you know, the highest slugging on the other pitches was 207. If you look at, at the sinker, it was a 250 batting average against, 406 slug, 581x slug, 420x woba. All the others were 266 or less. So I like that he is up the cutter users, and that cutter's been absolutely filthy this year. 2877 spin rate on that. And he's got five pitches right now that have a, I know it's two starts, but five pitches with a 33.3% whiff rate or higher with his curve change and slider all having whiff rates between 62 and a half and 70%. Again, I know it's two starts, but those pitches have not been touched yet. Like he has not given up a hit on his curveball change of our slider. Again, he's only given up two hits total. So he's not going to be this good, but I think he's legit. And I think if he keeps this up, he's the reason why, you know, this is the pitcher I put as my one guy that could vault up into the first round next year where we could be drafting Corbin Burns where we're drafting, you know, uh, the big three right now, tail into the first round, early in the second round, depending on kind of your format and, and platform you're on. But I firmly believe he's that good. He uses all his pitches to both sides, except for, you know, change up and slider. He uses only to lefties and righties respectively, but he still goes four pitches to each side and they're all filthy. Even the sinker has been improved so far through his first two starts. And he hasn't walked a guy yet. It's just, so much to love. That's kind of one of the knocks on him was, oh, the walk rate's a little high. And again, it's been two starts, but seeing him improve command, improve control, he's going to be one of the top strikeout guys in baseball. He's going to be a guy that flirts. So I don't think we're going to see 300 strikeouts again because we don't see enough innings being pitched out of starters. But this could be a guy that could be like 170 innings or so with 250 Ks or something like that. He's going to be one of those ridiculous K rate guys. And if he can keep the ratios down low, which he's shown that he can do, and improve that walk rate and keep it below 10%, I think the sky's the limit here with Corbin Burns. So I think sixth right now is fair, and I think he could be even higher. Like, you know, fourth and fifth are Walker Bueller and Lucas Giolito for me. I think he could vault those two. I really do, and get up with, with those top three. He's that damn good. I'm I'm all in, like I said, on, on Corbin Burns. But let's go down. Enough about him. I can ramble about him for the next 20 minutes. Let's go down to Miami. A lot of good things brewing in Miami right now. There's three pitchers that have looked really, really good this year, and none of them are named Sixto Sanchez because he hasn't pitched yet at the major league level, unfortunately. We'll get to him in a second. But Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Trevor Rogers have all been flat-out dealing. This pitching staff is turning into an absolute monster. It's going to keep getting better and better because all these guys are pretty young. I think Pablo Lopez is the oldest guy at, like, was he 25 or so? Yeah, he's, he's young. Like, he's like the elder statesman of this team. He's still pretty <laughs> young himself. But all these young guys coming up, you know, these three plus Sixto plus Edward Cabrera, Max 
That should be Max Meyer. I don't, I don't know what I just did there. Um, but so much talent. Let's focus on those three, Alcantara, Lopez, and Rogers. I know you made that bold prediction a couple weeks ago that Alcantara would vault into, what would you say, a top 15 arm? 20, or, I think, yeah. Top, top 20. 20. Yeah. And you are spot on. I just moved, I moved him way up because the one thing uh, I've always kind of had with Alcantara that caused me to kind of – temper my expectations with him and my rankings was he didn't miss as many bats as I thought he could, but that has changed this year so far. And right now I moved him way up. I got him 23rd right now for dynasty pitchers. He's kind of, he's kind of right around Barrios, Lance Lynn, Sixto in my rankings. So I, you know, give you a nice little clap here, Chris, for that prediction. It was very good. I love the fact that he's missed more bats, man, because and that change up, he has absolutely filthy, and how that's really improved this year to you know one of the better changeups I've seen so far this year. Just the movement he gets on that, and you know we're talking about it earlier that you know some of these harder changeups that like we we're talking about on Five Tool. It kind of reminds me of like when Felix Hernandez was at his peak, and he had a harder changeup. Usually, you like those the changeups that have the velocity separation, and he only has about five and a half between his sinker, which is a ninety-seven point two down to 91.6 for the changeup, but this is the movement profile. He's got a 50% whiff rate on it so far. All of his pitches are missing bats this year, so that's really encouraging for me. So you give yourself a little bit of a victory lap here, but you you must be giddy right now about how Alcantara looked in his first two starts. Yeah, because I've drafted him everywhere. The price was you too have, good. You have. And, and when he started – the thing that got me in the spring was the fastball velo being up. The velo was up, and he's up about a full mile an hour, which is is huge for him. He's he's doubled the changeup usage. You mentioned how good it is, and he's using it. That's the thing. When you have a pitch that good, you have to use it more often. You can't use that changeup 10% of the time like he did last year. It's too good to use it that, that little. And so he right. upped the usage. I mean, it was his best pitch last year. You look at his whiff rate was 37.1 on it last year. It was the highest of any pitch. The put-away rate was 33.3% on it. It was so good. He limited a lot of hard contact with it, right? And he just needed to use it more, and that's exactly what he's doing. And he's gotten a, a lot of ground balls on it this year when it's hit, which is is definitely nice. Uh, some of the spin rates are on the spin rate up is on it is up on it just a little bit, which is encouraging as well. But yeah, when when I saw him in the spring and I saw the velo was up and he was looking good, I really felt good about him and the price. And the Marlins do a great job developing pitchers. That's what they're best at. And he's one that, you know, I'm very happy that I have. And I think the success will continue. Like you mentioned, he was never a big bat misser, like like low 20% strikeout rate. The walk rates, you know, they've hovered around like 8 to 10%. They're fine. But this year, it, it's all changed. You know, he's missing bats. And I think that's going to take him to the next level. I think he's, he's a mid to low threes ERA guy that's going to give you close to 30% strikeout rate by season's in. I think he's he's that good. And everything kind of supports that so far. Again, and we have to step back and say it's a small sample, but but he, he's talented and he's always been talented. Now he's utilizing his arsenal, I think, better. And, you know, I like what I've seen. You know, I'm, I'm all in on it. Yeah, absolutely. Now we, we kind of did that game of, you know, who you got last week. Let's do that really quickly here with Sixto again. Would you take Sixto or Sandy right now in Dynasty Leagues? Give me Sandy, man. He's performing. Yep. Sixto is injured. I I don't know. We haven't heard. Yeah, it's kind of so, weird. He was like, what, what, what they use for the term? Is it shoulder discomfort? What was that term? Fatigue? Yeah. Shoulder fatigue? Yeah, they're kind of like those blanket, like, all right, something's yeah. up with the shoulder, but we don't really know what type of thing. So 
I'm a little concerned with six though. The fact that, and we haven't heard anything. Usually, if you haven't heard anything, that's usually either a really good sign or a really bad sign. So, and he's dealt with injuries in the past too, in the lower minors, which kind of held him back a bit. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned with six though. I think the thing that separates the two of them, if Sandy's kind of strikeout rate holds, that's the thing with. I think they both can be pretty good ratio guys and pretty similar ratio guys. But if Sandy's higher K rate holds, Sixto is yet to take that next step to get that higher K rate. And now, right now, Sandy is. So, yeah, right now I have I moved Sandy ahead. I think they're still pretty close. But I am a little bit concerned about Sixto moving forward and the fact that he's starting the season already with kind of a shoulder fatigue, discomfort, whatever. I don't think they use dead arm, but um, definitely a little bit of concern there for Sixto moving forward. And what, what do you feel about the other two? You know, we talked about Rogers a little bit last week, and he showed a, a, another very good start. The command and control still kind of isn't there, but he's missing a lot of bats. I've moved him way up my dynasty rankings. I'm trying to find where I have him for pitchers. And right now he's moved into my top 100, and he's still going to be trending up. I have him in the 80s right now. Um, but if he continues to show this to me, I think he could rise to be – I think top 50 is fair by the end of the season. I don't know but higher than that, but if he continues to, to miss bats like he has and you know kind of get that walk rate down a bit as the season progresses, I think top 50 is possible. What, what do you think on Trevor Rogers? Yeah, I mean, he's he's super talented. Yeah. You just watch what he's done. It's another guy in the spring who kind of popped. And, you know, some of the stuff, the underlying stuff last year was was really good. And even though the results weren't, stellar by any means last year when he debuted i mean he he was a talented prospect he wasn't a huge prospect by by any means but he's big lefty you know he's got a good fastball that he pumps and he does use it a lot which is interesting he pumps it about 60 percent of the time which is a lot but i mean the velo's way up with it like he's up nearly two miles an hour yeah i was, just, I was noticing that yeah which is huge you know you look at that and i guess you can get away with it when you use when you've got it pumping that fast i mean he can get sits he I mean he's sitting there he's getting up to 98 which is definitely encouraging you know you look at the numbers against it and it's all very promising you know when he, when he's gotten hit with it i will say it's, he's been hit a little hard but it's bad average against is it's still 0.087 and his XBA is uh, 0.135, so it's, it's pretty solid. The whiff rate, the whiff rate on his pitches are just stupid. He's 51.1% on the four seam, 50% on the slider. He saw one sinker as 100%, but even on his changeup, if his changeup is his worst pitch and he's still getting a 30% whiff rate, that's yeah, that's definitely encouraging. Pretty good. And I think that again, we look at the Marlins and they develop changeups well, so they can continue to refine that. He's really, really talented, and so I think you're going to have to get aggressive if you want him. Like you already missed the boat to buy, like no doubt about that. Uh, he's just, he's got all the talent in the world and he showed that his first outing, you know, he struggled that first inning and then he was back on track. And since that first inning of his first start, he's been really good each time out. So yeah, I think you said, where'd you put him in your dynasty rankings? Uh, he's in the eighties, right? I'm still okay. tinkering with it, but yeah, he's in the eighties yeah. right now, but yeah, definitely trending way up. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big jump. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I think I've, I don't know if I can push him past like 150 at this point because I had him like 350 prior. But you know, I like it. I like the wait, aggressiveness. Wait, wait are, you, are you talking overall or just for pitchers? Uh, I'm talking about overall. All, I'm talking about just for pitchers. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> that changes I like, the dynamic. <laughs> no, for overall, let me pull up those two. Um, let's see, I mean, where's he at? My overall that would put him 
Yeah, he's in like the 300 range overall right yeah. now. So, That's right. I was two, like, he was like 300. Yeah. I think I can make an argument to push him into like the like 225 range overall. I think yeah, I can make fair. an argument there right now after two starts in the spring I've seen. But if he keeps doing it, he's going to push into the top 150, I think. No question. Yep. He keeps seeing this. Agreed. All right, let's, let's pull up the old crystal ball here. All these you – know, to get up the list of all these Miami pro, uh, pitchers, right, let's go, let's go five years in the future. Give me your top three Miami – and you can include Max Meyer or Edward Cabrera if you want to. Who are your top three – pitchers from the Miami Marlins in 2026 draft 2026 jeez that's so they've got so much talent I like know right this is hard un, isn't it unreal how talented they are like they're gonna have to deal some guys like I don't yeah, know and they already de- imagine they, they still had Zach Allen like, I, <laughs> I like I don't love Jazz Chisholm but that's an interesting trade to move him you know it was a weird prospect for prospect trade right. then but can you imagine you know, if Gallen, they had a rotation right now of Gallon Alcantara, Sixto, what Rogers Pablo. and Pablo, and then like Eliza still and yep. Meyer and <laughs> it's like my word, yep. it's ridiculous. All right, so you said top three. Yeah, who are the top three in twenty twenty six? Five years out, I, I still think Max Meyer's going to be the best of them, which might be a little bold. You know, he hasn't even debuted professionally, but he's really, really good. He's got the fastball slider combo that's elite. I'm going to go – this might be crazy. To, I might not even include six. This is nuts. But Max Meyer, Alcantara, and Rogers are my guys. I don't know. It's weird not to include six, though. I just think six, though, is just like a solid – like, I don't know. It's crazy. It's, it's it's not crazy. I do have him in my top three. I will go Alcantara, Meyer, six, though. Okay. I'll um, put six, though, fourth. Yeah. Um, but that's no slight to Pablo or to Eliza or to Ebra Cabrera. There's just so much talent. And to Rogers, too. I think Rogers will be fourth for me. Um, I don't I like Lopez a lot too, but he's more of like the full, kind of the safer, you know, kind of mid you know, guy, high floor. So I'd probably put Rogers four and then yeah, and then probably a, a Pablo five, and then yeah. finish off with Eliza and Edward. So yeah, but that's a good problem to have. If I was a Miami fan, I'd be very excited about this rotation. They just gotta see if the uh, the bats come along here. But you know, maybe, maybe Jazz will work out. We'll see. He's exciting at least, but um, we'll see if, how much the average <laughs> where the average ends up being. But let's go out to the West Coast here. Uh, got a couple few, a few arms here on the West Coast. We'll talk about here Dodgers and Padres. Let's start with Dustin May and David Price, kind of trending opposite ways here. May got his first start of the year. Looked very, very good. Six shutout innings uh, with eight strikeouts. Looked great. And he was the pitch mix. I liked it. And he was he was missing more bats with the cutter. And the cutter, he had a 75% whiff rate in that outing with the cutter, which is phenomenal. And that's kind of the thing I've had with, with May, along with the same thing I had with Alcantara and Sixto, was there, even though they're filthy and got these high spin rates and all the movement, you know, they didn't miss as many bats as I would like to see. And they kept the K rate low. And obviously, strikeout rate is a big thing with pitchers in the fantasy. But I know it's just one start. But the fact that he got the, you know, rotation spot overpriced says a lot. Uh, and I know the Dodgers are very high on him. So you think, where do you think Dustin May's ceiling is? I personally, right now I have him, where'd he go? 
Uh, right there, 45th in my dynasty rankings. And I think he could get up. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a fantasy ace. I don't think that high of him. But I think he can get an SP2 territory where he's like 25 to 30. You think that's fair or are you not quite as high on him? I was going to say 30 probably okay. is ceiling. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you like you said, it's a very small sample. The The movement on his pitches is insane. Like he's got all the stuff you want to see. You want to see the whiff rates jump, which definitely was encouraging. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was encouraging to see what he did in that outing. But I don't know, man. I'm just I, – I want to see more before I really buy in. But, yes, I do think he's capable. I think he can be – I'll say an SP3 for fantasy purposes. But I just don't see an ace. Yeah, he, he had that 35% strikeout rate in that start. All the all the Dustin May fanboys came out on Twitter and told everybody they were you shouldn't have been doubting that he could get up <laughs> the strikeout rate. Like it was one start, sure. Like yeah, it was encouraging, but I want to see him do it more consistently. I don't know. I mean, there's there's reason to believe that it, he can take that step, but I don't know. I still have question marks. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I like May. I don't love May. It's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, same thing here. And then on the other end of it, David Price. He's was he 35 now? He's a 30 million dollar a year long reliever. Is there really any dynasty value left with David Price, or is he just done? I think he's done. I think he's done, man. It's crazy. Like I at least thought he would provide a little value out of that rotation, but nope. And you know, the Dodgers are sitting there on was he getting paid like 30 million dollars? <laughs> he's gonna be out of the pen. Like which the Red Sox are still paying some of. Yeah, that's true. Fortunately. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just don't see price doing anything at this point. It's kind of like if you, somebody wants to buy it, like give you something for him in a trade, like just do it. He's 35 years old. He's not even a starter right now. So I don't know if you could get something. I would. He's looked rough in three innings this year. So, you know, take yeah. it for what it's worth. But if you can sell him for pennies on the dollar, you might want to. He might he might just be done. Yeah, trade him for you know a flyer prospect, you know someone with a little bit of upside in the low minors. Because you look at I looked at his contract; it's up after next season, and I just think maybe he's just to be this. He's to be kind of like the sixth guy. He'll make some starts here and there, but mostly be in long relief and you know pitch when someone you know one of the starters only goes a couple innings. So he's not going to have much value the next couple of years. And I could see him just hanging it up after this next contract, right? I think he's, I don't think he's a big guy that pitches like till he's 40, 41 and he's 35. Now he'll be 37 at, at the end of this contract. I can really see him just hanging it up. So I just don't see much value out of him anymore. And, you know, he's been one of the, the, you know, better pitchers in baseball, never been an elite guy, maybe a year or two. He was an elite guy, but he's had a good career. So, you know, he's made a lot of money in his career too. So yeah, I would just, see what anything you can get for David Price because even though it might not be much, it's better than nothing at this point, which is probably what you're going to get out of David Price. Let's go ahead and end the show here with some couple Padres trending opposite directions. And no, none of them are Denison Lamatt. We're not talking about him today. Joe Musgrove just pitched a no-hitter, which I actually miss. I'll fully admit, I miss no-hitter. The one night a month I go to bed before midnight Musgrove throws a damn no-hitter. Of course it had to happen. I was dead tired. I was like, you know, I'm going to bet like 10 tonight. I think it's like the first inning or so of that game. Then I went to bed, and of course I missed a no-hitter. But So he is one that is trending up a ton in my rankings right now. So let's start with him before we get to the other name here. 
how you know he's been a, a trendy kind of breakout pick for a while, but hasn't really always put it together. Maybe it was a Pittsburgh thing. Who knows? Maybe he's just excited to be out of Pittsburgh and onto a contending team with the Padres. Where do you have Musgrove right now? How are you valuing him in Dynasty Leagues, Chris? He he was like in the, my 130 overall range, I think, prior. But I liked him. Like I said, I, I wasn't like a fanboy like some people where they were, you know, breakout every year. But it's this Joe Musgrove breakout year. And, you know, a lot of people were excited. Like, And, you know, it was exciting, fantastic to see him to take that step and get the no hitter. It was, it was huge. Right. But you, it really makes you begin to wonder, like, was this a pirates thing the whole time? I think like, it might've been everybody that was on the pirates breaks out when they go otherwise. Right. You look at all Everyone. these people that have left and how good they've been. And especially this year, like I got to pull up the stats of how good, you know, these pitchers that the pirates have traded were like, or have been this year. So, all right. So here it is. Garrett Cole, Glassnow, Musgrove, and Jamison Tyon combined after the no hitter, 44 innings this year, 1.02 ERA, 61 strikeouts, and four walks. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, good job. That's Pirates, pretty good. By the way. So <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, is it a total Pirates thing? I don't know. But you look at Musgrove, he's kind of changed his pitch mix a little bit. I mean, this, he's not. He's not using his four seam as much. Like he's cut that about in half. He's using the slider predominantly. And he's using the cutter. He up the cutter usage from 6.4% to 24.7%. And those two pitches, including in these curveballs, his third most used pitch, those two pitches have been really good this year. You look at whiff rates 50%, 23.8%, 26.7% 26 on from slider cutter to curve. And then, you know, he also uses the four-seam changeup and sinker. So he's got a, a nice arsenal here that he's working with, which is encouraging. And, you know, I might think it, I think this might be the year where he takes a step. And, you know, if you got him, good for you, man. If you if you bought in the breakout, like, awesome job. I think I only have a couple shares of him. But, you know, he's still young, still 28, 28 years old. And he's been good. Like, he's been good for most of his career, but he's not been great. But I think he can take that step and be, like, an SP2 caliber pitcher this year. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him push, like, inside the top 20 overall for dynasty pitchers. Yeah. Right now I have him 31st uh, right behind Lance McCullers, Kenta Maeda and Nate Pearson for dynasty arms. So he's right outside my top 100 overall, probably like 115, 120 or so, but he's definitely been moving up and uh, he, I think he was in the one fifties to start back in spring training. So very, very intrigued by, you know, the development here of Joe Musgrove. And yeah, I think it might just be a pirates thing. Like, can they can they trade like Mitch Keller next and Mitch Keller will be like a top 50 arm wherever he goes? Like great. Everybody that leaves Pittsburgh, and there's been some questions about their player development organization too, you know, in, in the prospect circle. So you gotta wonder if it's just a pirates thing and they get into better orgs. And obviously, you know, Cole got out of there and you know, Goss now got down into the pitching factory that is Tampa Bay, and now Musgrove in San Diego. And yeah, I was kind of with you. That I I liked Glass. Uh, excuse me, I liked Musgrove, but not like this is the year. You know, I wasn't that one of those people either. But again, I'm in, I love the pitch mix, like you kind of alluded to. I won't go into that, but he just has all those. He has five pitches. He throws ten plus percent. He can get whiffs on a lot of them. He doesn't have super high whiff rates on on any of them besides the slider, which is fifty percent. But that's an absolute beauty of a slider. And that was a you know last year fifty point six percent whiff rate on the slider and curveball is 53.2%. So he can miss bats at a high clip. He's on a good team now. I think he's 
I think he's rejuvenated getting out of Pittsburgh. So uh, aside from 31st overall right now, I think I think you're pretty spot on. I think he could push top 20, get up there where kind of where Sandy is, where Sixto is, kind of pushing top 20. Definitely think that is possible. And hopefully with all the pitches he has, he like loan one of those pitches <laughs> to this next guy that only has like 2.05 pitches. And obviously we're talking about Chris Paddock here. The Padres arm that's t- trending down has not looked good this year at all. Has only thrown a curveball four times. So the curveball usage is going down from 7.4% last year to 2.5% this year. I was a big Paddock guy. I loved Paddock. The change the changeup is still filthy, right? But it's a changeup, so you don't usually get super high, you know, whiff rates on that. It's right around 33%, which is good, but when he doesn't have an elite or even a good breaking pitch to generate a lot of whiffs on, and the fastball is still looking atrocious, not atrocious, that's bad, below average, not looking great. It's even looking worse than last year through his first couple of starts. Yeah, hasn't really given up a home run yet on it last like he did last year. He gave up a lot of home runs on it, but it's just really four seam changeup, and the four seam is meh right now. Like he's got good velocity on it, but he's not missing bats with it. He's getting hit hard with it. I don't know. I, I'm every time I update my rankings, I move him further and further down. For pitchers, he's down to forty third overall, which puts him I think in like the one fifty range overall in my top five hundred and. He's like he's in danger of falling further than that because there are some names down there right below him that I think can leapfrog him. You know, like I have Lamette right below him, Dustin May, Casey Mize, Scoopall, Montas, Syndergaard, Savali. So and I probably should move Savali ahead of him. Some of those guys should be ahead of him right now probably. I might update this. So he might be closer to 50 by the end of the night because he just has not looked great. Where where are you at him on Paddock? Are you – do you still hold out hope that he can get it going? Like we kind of have held out hope for the last what two years now since his his good debut? Or are you just are you out on that? I think I'm close to being I'm not fully out, but I got one foot out the door. Yeah, same here, man. I, like I said, I'm, I was in the same boat as you. I loved him. He was awesome when he came up and was so good in his debut. And then you know, last year it was like, oh, what happened? Short season, so a lot of stuff went on. So it's like, uh, you know, he'll be fine. And then this year is just. It's horrendous. I don't know what else to say. It's just not good. He's not that good. And I'm beginning to worry. Like, I'm pretty much out. Unfortunately, I have him in TGFBI, which really stinks. You know, I wish I could have that back. You know, at least if he's going to be this bad, like, at least get your walk rate back down to career norms. Like, his career walk rate's like, was like under 5% prior to the year, like right around 5%. And this year's been 11.1%. He's just been absolutely terrible. There's not a lot going for him other than he's kind of limited hard contact. His XERA right now is, is 3.59, which you know incorporates the stat cast data. So it's pretty encouraging. But the strikeout rate is trended down each year, which confusing. His XWOBA, not too bad, actually. You know, some of these numbers aren't too bad. His X, XBA is is 236. So you know, it's there's some encouraging signs, at least when you look into the profile, but he's just not going to survive with the with the fastball changeup. Like, throw the curveball more, man. And the changeup, you know, that was his bread and butter, and it's just not really been that good. So I don't I don't know. I'm at a loss with him about like I am with Keston Hira. Like, what went wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. It's, it's confusing, and so 
yeah, I'm kind of like pretty much out, you know, <laughs> I'd love to just drop him in TGFBI, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm going yeah. to hope that he rebounds. So. Yeah, definitely not droppable yet. But another right. thing I got to wonder too is how does he, you know, when everybody's healthy, everyone's up, as we talked about kind of with, um, with Tampa, not with, uh, with Miami, how they have all those arms. San Diego has all those arms too. Look at their rotation right now. Darvish and Snell lock in as one, two. Musgrove is locked in for right now with how he is looking. And right, right now, you know, obviously Murray Han start, but it was Paddock and Murray Han to start the season. You know, eventually they'll get back to Nelson Lamat, and so he'll go back into the rotation. Next year they'll get back Mike Clevenger, who who will go into the rotation. They're going to get up uh, Mackenzie Gore at some point in 2021, probably in the first half of the season. Someone's going to be the odd man out, and if Paddock doesn't get it going, you think it's possible that Paddock's the odd man out? I think there might – maybe – I don't know how what they do. Maybe they put him, you know, in the bullpen. I don't know. Do something to get – maybe give him a kick in the ass or – give him, you know, clear his head, some low leverage situations and work on stuff. But I think he might be the odd man. I don't know if things continue. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, they just have too many arms and not enough spots. And you suck, you're out. Sorry about it. I mean, so he's probably looking out itself out the door now, you know? I mean, how bad he's been. He's got to step it up if he wants to stick. I don't know. Maybe they trade him. Who knows, man? It's It's a weird situation for him to be in if he's not performing. Yeah, it definitely is. His Lamette should be back, I think, fairly soon. And then when Mackenzie Gore is ready, when they, when they deem him ready, you know, if Paddock's still looking bad and still only has two pitches, then one of those two pitches is looking not great. I forget who it was. Someone on Twitter, I think it was, um, I forget who it was. I, I apologize if you're listening. I, I will tweet it out. But someone put out a funny tweet today that was like, I think Chris Paddock needs a second pitch. Because obviously the, <laughs> the actual hasn't been great. It's from like changing another that. Yeah, I forget, who, I forget who it was, but that was a great tweet and very spot on. So yeah, I think uh, Paddock is definitely trending way down, and will continue to unless he gets a third pitch and gets the. You know, I think he gets focusing on the fastball back first. He's got two things. You mentioned getting that command back, lowering that walk rate back down to what we saw, and then gotta get that third pitch. Whether it's the curveball, whether he introduces another pitch, maybe a slider brings the cutter back, who knows, something. But, yeah, a lot of things have to go his way right now, and they're not going his way. So I am close to being out the door on Chris Paddock. All right, that's going to wrap us up this episode. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode and that it was beneficial to you in your Dynasty Leagues. We will be back next week to talk some hitters, and I'm sure Kiss and Hirio will be talked about prominently in that episode because, you know, he's, there's a lot going on with Kiss and Hirio. But again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aircross04. Chris is at Roto Clegg. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Make sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all the great written work at FantraxHQ.com. Coming out every day. We will be back with you again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care.
Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? 